0: Welcome to episode two of The Greatness Garage. We are here with Jim and Brad, and uh, Jim, I hear that you've got some really interesting stuff going on. Fill us in a little bit on this.
1: I got a solution to the big problem. Me and Brennan were talking off. I was on the phone with uh, one of the, the major manufacturer reps for ResMed, a CPAP company. Oh. Um, talking out, uh, he's, he's an Indian guy, and we're looking at how to convert CPAPs into ventilators at scale. And that just popped into my head like an hour ago. And the last hour has been unbelievable, Brad. I mean, ah. I got guys smoking two cigars with a pulse oximeter on to get their O2 low enough. One of them's going to go lay down and wait for it to come back. The other one's going to get on CPAP and video the whole thing and show how if you come down with COVID, you can't get a ventilator, but we can convert a CPAP. You can rent a vent from us. Right. Or you huh. can just buy, buy a kit. I can build the whole damn thing online, put it in a package and start selling them. They're the second best thing to a ventilator. I'll have a respiratory therapist, that makes, yeah. Come on and talk yeah. about it. it's a billion dollar move. I told him and he said, You're the smartest fucking man I know. <laughs> How did you think of this, Jim? I literally told my wife, right? I said, I said, here's a scenario. I have a res med, a old one, right? And that used to just blow my fucking eyes out of my head, right? Literally. Huh. And I thought, man, I got it. this thing is crazy, right? And what happened was, is there's an override that you can override the computer and ramp it up, right? And so if you have COPD, and me being a paramedic, I understand how to manage the airway, right? So I'm, I, I, when I first started, when I was 20, We had this PPV valve hooked to uh, an oxygen tank, and when you would blast it, it would blast you up to 70 mm of fucking air all the way down about 40. So we already know the maximum that you can get is about 70 to 40 before you blow their fucking eyes out or blow out their diaphragm. So when you ramp it down further, it allows you to to then still receive the the amount of of atmospheric air. But if I put an oxygen port on it, then I could pump 100% O2 into that port and then effectively it would be a, a ventilator wow. so I did the test, right? So now I have the guys smoking cigars. I'm thinking, how what is the way I can get that O2 stat? So one of them said he's got this mask you put on for exercising, and that oh, it yep, yep. basically ramps your heart rate up and brings your O2 down. But oh. when you're already healthy, you'll you'll recover rather quickly. So I need to show more of a compromise. And so what's compromised is if you ever fight fires, and after you get done fighting a forest fire, you're wheezy and your lungs crackle, mm-hmm. yeah. the y- alveoli stick together and so it makes it very difficult to exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide and Mm -hmm. so they sometimes give you uh, a vasodilator um some type of an inhaler yeah but they also um when i was on cpap he told me that that would clear my lungs because that when i'm involuntarily pushing out as soon as i start it blows that air back in Uh oh and so that positive pressure is more atmospheric inside pressure which then forces everything out right Mm so effectively Uh We created uh, a very cheap ventilator where these things cost on the market, you know, 30, 40,000. I think you've heard the Yeah, term. Right, I was right. Yeah, and we, know, can get, we can get into a brand new one for less than a thousand bucks, completely set up. Right? Right.
0: I, I saw GM, you know, it came up with theirs, and they actually had ones that was a GM name and then Cadill- a Chevy name and then a Cadillac name. And the Cadillac one was like $57,000. I'm like, fuck.
1: Wow. I don't, I don't think we have that. I think we got the solution. I, I got a mm. guy who runs sleep centers. I got the guy who is, I got the ResMed um, manufacturers representative. I got a venture capital, a guy that runs a fund. So, I mean, I got the right player. They're all telling me I need to patent it and don't tell people. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in, let's solve some problems. Let's, let's get see. it out there. Yeah, Yeah. And so here, here's what I'm thinking. This is where it'll be most effective. It'll be most effective when keeping people out of the fucking hospital. Yeah. Because if you understand certain things about this virus, you understand this. So with your pulse oximeter that goes on your finger, it'll tell you what oxygen saturation level you have, right? Mm-hmm. If you're having difficulty breathing, but you're still your stats are still in the high 90s, you're fine. You're just having difficulty breathing, okay? If your stats, your oxygen saturation level, which is what a stat is, if the oxygen saturation level starts to fall below 93, you're starting to have some problems, right? You get below that. You're going to have some problems. And so that will tell you when you need to be on CPAP or when, not, when you don't need to be on CPAP. It'll also tell you when you need to go to the hospital or when you don't need to go to the hospital. And so providing that you have that ability, you now have the ability to use telemedicine. You manage the fever. You then manage the airway, which ABCs, right? Airway, breathing, circulation. Yeah. So you manage the breathe the airway. And so by managing the airway, that's going to control your heart rate problems because if you get low oxygen, heart rate has to go up to try to compensate for it, which can put you into cardiac arrest, right? And so if you operate in the scope using the CPAP, you're less likely to become hypoxic. You're less likely to go into cardiac arrest. You're more likely to have positive pressure pushing out mm-hmm, the, uh, mm-hmm. the fluid in the lung, and therefore you got a better. So, I mean, you, you, you do that, vasodilator... You take some Lasix, which makes you piss a lot. Drop, drops a lot of the fluid, fluid off. the body. yeah. You try to stay hydrated with a certain amount of measured like liquid, and um, try to balance that out. And it's a six-seven day run, right? If you can manage it, I think you're going to be well on your way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like you said too, that that person. Yeah, you said. And you said too, like just the difference between, you know, what percentage of people have gone into the hospital that didn't need, that could have stayed, you know, just outside, you know, yeah. You know? actually,
1: there's people talking about that once they get the, the the difficulty breathing and the tightness and the stress, they go.
0: Mm. Well, and and none of this too. Even if some, if 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 a hospital could say somebody comes in and says, "Okay, you're not here. Here's a CPAP." You know, I mean, here's a, a low cost expense. You know, they won't rent do this. This will meet you. I know. Yeah, good point. Right? No, they won't do that.
1: It's going to have to be done a certain way. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm thinking yeah. on the open market, just like selling a defibrillator. You know, I mean. Before, if you would have put a defibrillator on the market, people would have said, oh my God, you're selling this medical device and yeah. you could just kill a whole bunch of people. And then you realize the only time right. you're going to use it when the guy's probably already dead, right? Yeah. And, sure. you need mm-hmm. to, and you need to resuscitate it. And so it's not like you're going to go practice on your friends, no. right? Because it will kill you. And yeah. so and it's, it's, it's tremendously painful. I, I have a heart rhythm problem. So I get, I've been cardioverted 13 times. That means I've been shocked 13 times. Heart stops and then restarts.
2: Holy hmm. shit!
1: So I, I I know that feeling, right? And I've also been shocked when I got my face got cut. I don't know if you see my beautiful scar, hmm. but uh, uh, I was I lost a lot of blood, and then they I I, lost, I died on the table, and they had to bring me back as well. And so that was another time. And I mean, every time it's ridiculously painful. But the point is is if you manage the airway properly, we don't have to go through all that. And the way to manage the airway properly is to be able to use positive pressure to then force out the fluid that is then part of this major problem where people feel like they're actually drowning. And that's when they're going into um, cardiac arrest and that's when they're going into the hospital and it's typically too late. Hmm. Because once you get on a vent and they actually paralyze you to then tolerate the the ET tube, getting you off of that vent is a totally different problem. So, they, they like to say you got a 50 50 chance if you go on the vent, and getting off the vent. Because if it starts to breathe for you and your body says, Well, I don't need to remember how to breathe, yeah. and keep you off, your, you, your diaphragm won't be working, you know? Huh. So, there's other issues as well. That's so interesting. The CPAP is definitely a bridge. And if more people had access to it and knew about it and knew how to use it, and it could, you know, and I would like to, I mean, I'm not doing it to say we should do it to make a billion dollars, even though we should capitalize on it right um, i am saying that uh, it's the next best thing to a to events right and that if you ask anybody with any medical training they would tell you that asphyxiation is you want to talk about panic and fear look in Ooh. someone's eyes i've seen that a number can, of times yeah. they are paralyzed in fear right wow i can imagine that <laughs> that's pretty heavy jim It's pretty real, boys. I mean, if if we're going to talk about as real as it gets, that's as real as it gets. Yeah. As real as it gets.
2: Yeah. Yeah, We're going to
1: have our brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers are going to have these problems. It's going to happen to somebody. I don't know anybody currently that has it, but I mean, Brennan's boss, you know, there's people that know people. So I'm saying before it gets so crazy, if we can affect just a hundred thousand lives, you know, Mm -hmm. Sure. There's just a small group that has a grand laying around that wants to buy a, a CPAP conversion kit, you know? Yeah, you can make that available for them. It could save save a lot of lives. Can, can oh, yeah. Care? Yeah. I mean, I'm high risk, so I think that I, I would do it. I'm doing yeah. it. I mean, who am yeah. I kidding? I have it. Right. I'm doing it. I'm not only and telling people that, that they should consider it i'm saying i have one and i'm doing it
2: Well, oh, you're right you know you said uh brothers and sisters uh, everybody we're, we know we're gonna be in a situation like this that was one of the things we want to talk about today we want to talk about family and family working in business with family yeah
0: um, yeah do we want to get this started and rolling yeah I think oh, it's it's rolling. rolling uh no, you, it's know, rolling.
2: you know i think people I are gonna have... really respond well to uh to the the ideas that jim's throwing out there some other people are going to jump on this too and share it hopefully you know and, and yeah. just get the word out
1: let's start the conversation there has to be multiple solutions to the problem right we can't just look at this and this is my problem is we, we they, they say that they're getting all these great professionals together well I don't believe them sounds good yeah but that's re- I mean that's not a war room of people trying to solve problems because here's why what do we teach in business, Brad? You don't come to me with just a primary solution. You need multiple. Secondary. Your primary won't work every time, right? Yeah. Yep. No different here. It's it's thinking properly. It's practicing neutral thinking, not positive thinking, not negative thinking, not the world's coming to an end. Yeah. Everything's going to be great. Somewhere in between's the truth, right? And yep. that's the problem: is people are they're they're believing in their mind that if I just hide long enough, it's going to go away. When I yep. say we need to we need to innovate ourselves out of this problem. I mean, if we if we're so great, which we everyone believes that we're so damn good, well then let's prove it and let's prove it right now. Let's yeah. find a solution to the biggest problem that is that is basically facing our generation, right? Which is we're going to have a huge economic shutdown. Huge. Yeah. We're going to have the worst depression since the Great Depression. This will
0: be called the Great Depression. It's going yeah. down. And, well, then- and 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 you and you look at too, not just the, the economic depression, but the psychological follow, you know, and you know, going back to what you were saying about the the impact of you know of, of those in the war room figuring this thing out and stuff like that. I think we always have to understand it, and just being honest with um, what what is a person's motivation, like what is their calling? Like the Center for Disease Control. Is about disease control like they don't really it's not about the people and whether they enjoy whether they're you know having a good life and they're happy all they they're called to do is disease control and and you look at the hospital it's it's triage yeah. it's not about the optimal kind of experience it's about triage and 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 as long as they're living when they leave they did their job you know sure. and right. so I think it's understanding that they might not be Bad with what they're like, they're not evil and they're not that incompetent. They just might have a different reason for doing what they do, you know. So,
1: well, one is sick care, one is health care, right? Amen. So, if you're in if you're in the disease business, then you know that that's a long chronic scenario, right? If you're in the death business, you know you need to be in the casket business. You need to be in, you know, what business are you in? And I I don't want to tie myself to all the death business. I don't want to own. 400 crematoriums. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to be in that side of the fence, right? So let's work on the professional rescuer side and let's go out and let's make a difference with the skill sets we currently possess. You have business skill sets, professional rescuer skill sets, where's your background? How do you apply all those things in a crisis? And what I'm finding is the real leaders are shining and coming up with solutions and looking for answers and everybody else is bitch whining, complaining and blaming everybody else, right?
0: Well, and and, you know, it's it's funny, you know, we look at that and two and one of the things I talk with my clients a lot of times is about loci of control, internal loci of control versus external, right? And like, so if it's, if it's stuff that you can do, go and do that. But the external stuff, you know, it just is like to complain about it and engage with it in a way of, you know, it's just, hey. If your internal can affect the external, great. But, that's you know, okay. that that's, yeah, complaining does you no good, no? So
1: I mean, we got to, it comes down to clearly identifying the problem, okay? Yeah. Here's a clearly identified problem. We do not have enough ventilators, period. We do not have the capacity to manufacture enough ventilators fast enough to meet the demand. So, my my solution is, what is the next best option? What is it? It's a modified CPAP machine, ramped yeah. up with an oxygen port running properly, and you're going to get a, a right. certain level of relief. It might not be the exact same relief, but it may be. Unless Is it better you're better than what they're getting, yeah. Oh, it's a hundred percent better than what they're getting. Thousand, <laughs> yeah, thousand. And if you're actually drowning, it's you couldn't put a price on. Okay. Yeah. And so. If you have somebody that's compromised that could benefit from this, this has to be done. So what we need to do is put a kit together, package it properly, and put it out there and get some feedback. Let these people tear it apart. And if they want to go create a kit and do this and that, good for them. The more power to them, more people should do it. Go get it. Yeah. Um, now it's not the time to seek patents.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And, and it's going to change so fast. There's so many people putting ideas into this. You know. Yeah. So. So I think the issue here then really becomes like deployment, because if somebody, you know, is drowning, going out and going, I wonder who does this, it's too late, right? You know, and yeah. so how, how do you think we, we, we overcome the, the deployment issue?
1: we actually do a video and talk about it we bring on a pulmonologist and a respiratory therapist we do a we we do an actual instructional video and we sell a kit where you can either modify one locally go on marketplace facebook craigslist whatever buy one or you can buy one from us we have a website that'll have all of that on it it already does cuz the guys i reached out to sell these things already um And the guy who is working with me owns sleep centers. So he owns sleep labs and he works across the United States on sleep centers. And his medical director is a pulmonologist. So you get a pulmonologist, respiratory therapist, sleep therapist. You get a CPAP company that manufactures and sells. He's already currently a distributor. Now you just put some horsepower behind him so he can order properly. And uh, you put kits together, you sell them online, turn it over to my boy Brennan and my good friend Brad, and I'm sure <laughs> they'll find a way to get a millions of them out there and um, you know, people that can put it on a credit card and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, yeah and find I mean, out where that market we're is. At a
2: place, we're at a place where people are so crazed about this shit that they're taking a, a, you know, aquarium cleaner to get the chloroquine, right? So like I know, yeah. You know, that's where we're at as a culture. And actually that was a week ago, so it's probably even worse than that. So, you know, when somebody comes to uh, presenting a viable solution like this that just requires a little bit of common sense, as long as you got a good lawyer
1: behind you. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> yeah, you need to be a good lawyer. I think it's good Samaritan law. I mean, just like you're I would, I would be on scene, and I would need more hands, and I would use walking wounded people to do all kinds of things, just, yeah. you know, hold a C-spine, a splint, a fracture, you know, anything I'm trying to do before I can package the patients and get them out of there. Right. So, and, and there would be people telling me, well, I, well, can I get sued? Well, listen, if you didn't help, they're dead for sure. By yeah. helping, yeah, maybe you could, but there's a certain level of just, right. I don't give a shit, because yeah. I'm trying to save people's life. I'm not trying to make exactly. exactly. And it Especially costs what it costs. It,
2: uh, open yeah. Of course, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it costs what it costs. And so the, uh, the idea that somehow you can. You know, I mean, a CPAP machine costs what it costs. I mean, it does, right now. And so it's not like you're gonna get it at a 50% discount, but my position is, if I was the president, I would go to those Medtronics, ResMed, I'd go to, you know, all of them, and I would say, I need you to do this, I need you to put an oxygen port on it, and I need to have a a valve with an N95 filter that attaches to it and be done with the motherfucker.
2: Well, if you had Mm -hmm. the patience to deal with morons, you could call up the president and probably sell this to him, you know, his
1: idea. You know, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there is getting anything across to that guy. I, the reality of the situation, I think it needs to go to a different channel and, um, yeah, you know, you got, we got well, plenty of positions. I think trying to convince a politician anything is just a waste of time. You know,
0: and, and I think the, I think the, the the speed to market, and, and really, I think I don't think we want to lean on the government to, to solve that problem for us. I mean, it's oh, just no. it's that the nature of, a, of of a government is cumbersome. And like we're, we were just talking here about about the um, the SBA. You know, the SBA looks like it's, it's not going to be able to come out tomorrow because it's it's such a large organization yeah. entity getting through to make sure that it has all its stuff processed right. Um, and you know, it, it's it's difficult. And you know, when small businesses compete against large businesses, the num- one of the number one benefits that, that a small business has is its, its mobility and, and agility. Sure. And so it's a that's the nature of it too so I think yeah right we're we're using the wrong tool to solve a problem here right. No, you know, it's true. Yeah, it's yeah. true that way and
2: and you got to say one thing I can say about this president he has no patience for uh for the red tape
0: of government you know it's, Yeah that's true yeah yeah I mean, So yeah may, maybe fine. just asking to let let us go type of thing you know <laughs> well, I think <laughs> I would I would, I think I would if I if yep. it ever brought
1: to my attention you know I mean I'll position with a pulmonologist and something because I'm not I'm not reckless I'm not going to right. go out there sure. and put my my entire life's work on the line um, when I can have a pulmonologist say, I think this will work, you know, yeah. um, and I can have a respiratory therapist say, I think we could reap some benefit. They won't say it's a, it's a better solution than event, but what they will say is it's a great alternative to nothing.
0: Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There was, there was one, I saw that a, uh, a, a young gentleman had created a um, a modified one out of those full face um, stu- uh, uh, snorkel masks. Yeah. And, you know, he said they made 100 of them over in, I think it was in India, but he's like, that's 100 people or 100, you know, users that I never would have been able to help and that's just worth it there, you know. And so, yeah, it's, it's not the primary, but in a pinch, we'll take it, right? So.
1: Well, there's also other things depending on the patient. So with a paramedic, we understand the paralytics and how to manage the airway using an endotracheal tube and we intubate and it's very intimate, all of that. You got to be close to the patient and um, it's just a lot. So with a there's an et there's a uh, another tube. It's an oropharyngeal airway, and it's a, it, it measures from your jaw to the tip of your ear, and it kind of goes in this type of a shape. It's built like kind of this here. And so what happens is is you rotate that down into the airway if somebody's unconscious, and you can still be getting a ventilation value without an endotracheal tube that you have to paralyze the diaphragm to be able to do that, right? So, um, if you had a high risk patient and they were trying to get them off the vent, get them out, you would put them on a CPAP off the vent out with the ET without the ET tube, right. With the oral pharyngeal airway. And there's also a a nasal pharyngeal airway that is another one you can put on in the nose to still Hmm. keep air coming in. Yeah. So there's some benefits to just that knowledge base and understanding how that all works. But more than that, I think it's an effective fix. And, you know, for the life of me, um, I can't. I can't figure out why we're not talking about that more and talking about alternatives and options rather than here's our primary and our primary is going to shit before our eyes. Yeah. We, you know, And so we have one governor who's saying, my primary's gone to shit. I need more ventilators than you have available. And they're not providing any alternatives other than there's 10,000 oh, wow. warehouse somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. not enough.
2: I think one way to uh, really lay this thing out is to find one of these governors in one of these states that is really, really strapped. For example, I think New York is going to be there in like a day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and you just reach out to
1: them and say, "Look, we have a solution potentially for you. So, uh, you know, you want to roll with this? That's the way to go." Well, we need to definitely get that in someone's ear because the fact of the matter is, is that's a that's an amazing alternative. And uh, I was on the phone with Limhouse right before that, so we got Oregon. We can we can move in Oregon.
2: Okay, uh, well, that's right on the ground right there.
1: Yeah, and so we got that. But we also got New Orleans is taking a hit right now. Louisiana, because of the market. Oh mm-hmm. So they're getting wiped out at a higher death rate because they got a higher obesity level and a higher, a lower quality of, of individual. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, from the health Health-wise, it's, health-wise. Oh talking my about, my uh, <throat> talking about. Yeah, I'm not talking about the quality of the human. I'm talking no. about actual, the oh. health of the of average individual in... New Orleans, Louisiana was diminished compared to the health. That's what they're attributing the death yeah. rate to. So.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking right now and uh, Louisiana, I think it was 2,700 people today were diagnosed. Um, yeah, yeah, 2,700,
1: uh, wow. We got 200 in Hawaii and you would think there's 2 million. I mean they freak yeah.
0: out, yeah. freak yeah. out, Yeah. freak out. I mean, yeah, it's kind of, you know, and I, you, you would guess some of it is because they, I guess they would probably perceive themselves contained in this kind of, you know, and, and you know, it, it is, you know, it's funny you say that because I was actually doing some, um, be, being an analytics nerd, right? I was this morning looking at stuff just because, and so there's 39 million, uh, 39.5 million people in California. 8100, uh, 8131 was the uh, infections uh, this morning, um, and so 0.02 percent, and they were by far the first ones to lock everything down, stuff like that. Texas, for example, the second largest state, has 29, 28 million, 995, 995 thousand. They have 3266.01 percent. Um, you know, almost half of what, you know, less than half of what it is uh, with, uh, uh, you know, a 10 million less population. And, you know, going through the next ones, uh, New York um, is actually the fourth largest, but they had 0.038%. Well, anyway, what I'm finding is that there is so many dynamics that go through that, that why did, why did people feel that affection? You know, originally be, you know, being from North Dakota and, and the feeling through a lot of North Dakota is we got 100 people infected with the flu. Like, you know, we had we had one person, we had they had two killing people pass, one was over ninety. Like there's sometimes kind of the like, way, what are we worrying about type of thing? And I think sometimes it's just the way in which we are perceived with the information. You know, the same thing when we're in business, uh you can have two people facing the same ser- scenario and one is losing their mind. And yeah. the other one's just saying, Hey, I guess it's today's Tuesday. Right. And so it's amazing right. just the perspectives that we come from that really, you know, change the way that that looks, you know. Yeah, I see that. But then again,
2: there's there's Louisiana. Right. And you've got you've got a, a state with four and a half million people and almost 10,000 probably by tomorrow, uh, probably 12,000 by tomorrow yeah. of uh, infected people. And that's like point
1: three percent of the population of the state. That's that's. But their death Thank rate you. will be higher because their health is lower. It's yes. right. it was what the perception is. People in the south, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so that's just the way it goes. I, I mean, I'm not the guy to call. I mean, obviously, I'm not the pillar of health. turn around, Jim, so they can all see it. Huh? Yeah. Uh, who am I? Who I am? Round, round, yeah, right? Is, it, yeah. They said, "Are you in shape?" I said, "Rounds the shape." I was I, gonna
0: say, right? Yeah. <laughs> But I think, I think as we're going through this process, you know, just appreciating the fact that, you know, whether, and this ties into small business, the way that we perceive these things, it, uh, it really affects the way in which we engage them and the way in which we, um, and like you said, if, if people start dying at a higher rate, all of a sudden the perception of this thing is, becomes significantly different than if you don't, you know, and, um, which, makes the, which makes the Hawaii one ironic, right? Where you said the statistics don't support, like if I was in New York City and, and my wife does have some friends out there that are, occupational therapists in new york city working down in manhattan and there is a palpable fear which in in our kind of generalist makes sense sure. but like you said it's it's interesting how people engage based on what they perceive as their risk yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and
2: and that's that's what jim was saying before about the the standard health that the the basic line of health going for like on a daily basis anyway if you're talking about people who already have breathing problems basically because yeah. you know, if half of them are on CPAP machines already, you know, then yeah. you know, you got very to, few people um, though
1: really good. benefit. Because here's why: asthma is more of a constriction, right? And COPD and emphysema is a different problem, right? We used to call them pink puffers or blue bloaters. Terrible, hmm. both of them. Right? A pink puffer is is somebody that is more with emphysema, and they're trying to just. Puff. They blow a lot of that oxygen and so it's very hard for them. A COPD patient, they can run on a lower hypoxic drive, lower oxygen saturation level, but they're blue. Their color tone, how I'm pink, I'm pink, they're blue. And so if if you look at that, you see that bluing of the lips, right? That's low oxygen saturation. So that's what makes that look blue. And so on some patients, you can't flood them with oxygen because it'll kick over their drive. Their body runs on CO2. So they're fine running at a lower level of oxygen. And so, emphysema patients are one, some COPDers, depending on, um, they have a similar problem. And so, you have to be careful on that range. But what I'm talking about is somebody who has asthma, somebody who has, you know, they're wheezing or they have any type of breathing issue already. And then you get diagnosed with this, where you have chest pain, which you have constrictive airway, you can't breathe. And then how people are dying, they're not dying from a fever, they're not dying from a broken bone, they're not dying from a a heart attack, they're dying from respiratory distress, they're effectively drowning, pneumonia, okay? So if you think about pneumonia, there's only a few ways to deal with it until you're done. And the, the way that does work is event. And why event works is it's positive pressure into the same exact mechanism, just administered deeper into the airway. Okay. Yeah. That's it. So it's not rocket science. Um it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. It takes common sense, it takes some ingenuity. Yeah. And take some, some smarter professionals. We need a respiratory therapist. We need a pulmonologist, an expert in lung production. And yeah. then uh, we'll see we'll see what we can get. But in the meantime, I think we'd be foolish to not explore this and see if we can actually develop some model to help some people who may be interested in the next best thing.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think that uh, you definitely have the, the business acumen to put this together, Jim. Um, you know, you've, you've done how many
1: businesses now? <laughs> I, I have no idea how many businesses. You couldn't even I'd, count, right? I can't even count. Yeah. yeah. I failed more times than people have, most people have ever started. Mm-hmm. So think about as many dreams that you've had where you've started and then failed every time there and then, then start adding it up. Right. Like there
0: you go. <laughs> they, yeah. they say,
1: how do you count your successes? I said, I didn't count my successes till after my failures. So I got <laughs> yeah. through all those. I failed my way to the top. I learned everything what not to do, and then I started doing the others. What's your biggest failure, Jim? Biggest failure? Thing that uh, just did not work As far as dollars, or broke my heart, or- or Let's let's, let's let's first
2: go with the dollars, and then go with broke your
1: heart. I think one of my largest failures was a real estate deal where I had no real understanding of real estate, and so I trusted a lawyer. And, uh, I trusted a lawyer and a group of investors and I invested a million, I think a million six cash and I was 28, nine. So that was about all the money I had. And mm-hmm. I literally, they, they guaranteed me it was a win, which rule number one, there's no guarantee. No you know? So then they said, well, the reason they needed the money up front wasn't so much to, um, buy and secure the property, but we were then investing in our country and we were, working with local lawmakers, and they were moving the urban growth boundary our direction, which the property that we were buying was ranch land, which if they did move our direction would then be developable residential real estate lots, and um, we would have cleaned up. And so uh, that was it. And so we went, and we were all over there, and they had the meeting, and we got outbid. Somebody else was doing the same thing we were doing, and the urban growth boundary went the other direction. Oh no! So I got smoked right yeah. off the bat. So you had and, to sell it for the same category of
2: land that you
1: bought it at. Oh, we overpaid for it. Now, now, me knowing what I know now, right. okay, Jimmy Crack Corn would have just put an option on that property.
2: <laughs> right. Said,
1: In the event this happens, I will yeah. exercise that option. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I lost all my money, but back then I didn't know anything, and so I just said, "Yeah." whatever. And I trusted people who I thought were smart. Yeah. That yep. is why I no longer trust people with a wall of fucking diplomas. Right. So if I yep. go into your office and you go, here's my wall of diplomas, I walk out. Right. Hmm. I'm not interested in that educated mindset. I'm interested in the guy with the scars. Right. Yep. What, how many awards have you won in business actually affecting change? How many wins do you have in business? Not how educated you are. Yeah, Love your education. I it, get. It's, you
0: question. know, it's funny you say that too, because it you you when people come up and and how they you know that that co- combination of, of street smarts versus book smarts versus you know and, and I think at the respecting of both it's funny in our uh, in the office that I have here the only diplomas I have on the wall are my wife's. <laughs> yeah. So you know, but and, so it, it you know you look at it too. I I you know my uh, MBA is is in a. Um, in a been you know, at home and it's like that or back in North Dakota. And, you know, it's uh, amazing that like the combination of people, you know, getting high on your horse, no matter what you've done. Right. And like even Jim yourself, you know, of all the experience you've had coming, being able to come back and say, I'm fresh, teach me like teach. And I think that's, the, if you don't keep that, that hungry heart of wanting to know and learning, um, No matter where that happens, whether that's academia or even through that in scars, if you think your scars are the worst scars and the know-it-all scars, you're going to be in trouble, right?
1: And that's the only way you learn. I'm telling you, I I said this before. I don't have um, a Harvard education, a Princeton education, or a Yale education, but I do currently have those three people working for me, okay? (laughs) Yep. you I, I don't have that education, but they do and they mm-hmm. they're great, but they're technicians right and I'm not that guy I know I'm not that guy. I'm not the highly educated guy And if you want the highly educated guy, then um, I can bring those to you all day long. I'm the yeah. get shit done guy I'm the idea guy and I'm the executor. I can get it done
0: so What's important about that too is that is really being comfortable with your role you know understanding where you know, like it's they, I remember one time uh, reading that that MIT the average salary or average earning of an MIT graduate was somewhere in the area at the time of like and this wasn't that long ago, maybe five years ago, but like eighty five thousand dollars. and and you know it's it's that's a good wage. It's not a great wage because they're not willing to take that risk typically. And that's completely okay. as long as you're in that space and that's what you want to do and you want to be in that room working on that project and that doesn't matter, that's great. But you got to be okay wherever you're at, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I once uh, was trying to get my dealer's license in Oregon. Brennan remembers this. And so I had to, they said, you can't get a dealer's license. You don't have um, any automobile experience, right? Hmm. And so I was like, well, uh, how do I get it? They go, you got to take a title in DMV class and you got to have 180 hours of automobile. Yeah. So I'm like, so I went to Napa and I said, hey, can I get a job here? And they're like, oh, we don't have a job for you. And so I kept going. So I called a friend of mine that owns some car dealerships and I said, Hey, I need, he's like, well, what do you want to do? I don't care. I just need some hours. What do I got? This is how lame it is. Right. And so anyway, I go ahead and I show up and I show up in a suit ready to go to work. And I didn't realize that they don't wear suits. They wear like polo shirts and khakis. And, um, and so I, I went to for my interview and they go, I think you're way overqualified. I don't think you're really the right fit for us. And I said, listen, man, I'll work for free. I just need to get some hours. Okay. I'm not interested in the paycheck. I'm interested in the training. Yeah. I just need to be here where someone could sign off that I put in enough time. I'll bring so, you
2: coffee. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I'll bring you coffee. I'll do whatever. Right. I just need a job. And so my wife was busting up laughing because I literally went and got a job at a car lot to get the hours. And so yeah. one of my best friends who lives in Hawaii out here with me now, he uh, takes care of my dog. He, uh, he was working there at the time and he was a salesman for like five years so i arrived there and, and they start pushing me through all this learn everything there is to know about toyota chevrolet subaru all these different lines and i'm like i ain't interested in any of that so but before that what they didn't understand is i worked at, and ran a law firm locally and so i had access to a group of clients that have already been through the law firm and so i reached out to them and said hey listen If you need a friend in the car business, I'm your guy. I'm not trying to make a profit. So if you want to buy a car, I'll give you the best deal, come see me. So what we did is I brought in the first month, I sold 23 and a half cars. I made about 21,000 bucks, more than anyone ever that worked in that position in that car dealership ever in Salem, Oregon. And the next month was cash for clunkers. And I broke that record and did 24 cars, made even more money. And then I had enough hours and I bounced. I was one block away from the dealership. I opened up our motorcycle dealership.
0: Yeah, that's cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so the guys that were the owners of the dealership came down. They were like, why did you leave? You're the best salesman we have. I want you to come back and be our our GM of all of the stores and train everybody. (laughs) Whatever. Just do it. Keep doing it, man. Exactly. Yeah. So it was just ironic. And the thing is, is I didn't know how to sell cars. So, and I, and I didn't have any problem telling people that. So they go, well, what yeah. are you doing here? I need to get enough hours so I could go up in my dealership. So if you need a car, I do the paperwork. This is the deal. And, uh, you know, that's the way we go. And they, I just crushed it.
2: That's a great story, Jim. Um, we're actually at the end of the 40-minute the session uh, here. And uh, Skype, or sorry, Zoom is going to shut us down here. Uh, so... I just wanna put a bow on that and say uh that was that's fantastic, and thanks for sharing more about uh your background and like one of like just one of the many things that you've done so it's awesome yeah. all right
0: guys. And it just you just you showed the dynamic of your ability to go into different fields and conversations and stuff like that, and it it really is a fun yeah it is good
2: so uh I really appreciate that thanks guys, and another great episode number two right here.